Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. If you've got your Bible, why don't you open your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 3 this evening. Ezekiel chapter 3. Now, if you're new to the Bible um, and you're trying to figure out what Ezekiel is, let me, let me encourage you, it's not contagious. Um, it's just a book in the Bible. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to find it, uh, perhaps, if you go to the very fir- first book of the Bible called The Table of Contents, and, uh, and you can look it up there. But Ezekiel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. In our message that we've titled, The Preacher, The Preacher. Uh, While you're still opening your Bibles, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to his children. You are a a heavenly father who equips his children. Uh, But but Lord, you've equipped us to live in the day in which you've placed us. Lord, it's, it's no mistake, it is no coincidence that we live in these days, in this century, that you've placed us here in this time for your purpose. So we pray that you would equip us for that purpose, that you'd equip us with boldness, you would equip us with courage, and you would equip us with your word so that we could be people that would glorify you in these days in which you placed us. We pray this now in Jesus' name, and everyone say it. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now, as I mentioned, the, the title of this message is, is, is The Preacher. Uh, you know, I heard of a, of a young man who had a stuttering problem, so he, he went to a speech therapist uh, to get some help. And, and yet the speech therapist had a, a very unconventional way of, of, of dealing with this sort of problem. He had, him stick, he had him stuff his mouth full of marbles and then try to speak. And, and then every week he let him take out one marble and then speak. And he did this week after week after week after week, every week. And, and then finally, when the young man had lost all his marbles, he became a preacher. Uh, it's a true story. The passage that we're reading tonight, uh, we, we see that, that God called Ezekiel to be his preacher, to, to be his preacher, to go in and, and speak on his behalf to the captives of Judah during their exile uh, in, in Babylon. And so God calls Ezekiel to, to go in and deliver his message to the people. Now, God's message to the people, uh, you, you could paraphrase it, was basically, you know what? If, if you want to live like pagans, then I'm going to treat you like pagans. If you're going to keep living in sin and, 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 and live this way, well, then you're going to face the consequences. You're going you're to face the judgment. And at the same time, in this passage, God is telling uh, Ezekiel, you know what? The people are not going to like your message. It's not like they're going to have, you know, like prophet appreciation day. You know, they're, they're not going to like what they're hearing from you. In fact, back in chapter two, uh, God tells Ezekiel, you know what? The people are going to rake your back with, with thorn bushes. They're going to throw you into a pit of scorpions. And so uh, tonight, as we, as we see how, how, how God has called this man, Ezekiel, to be his preacher, to be his spokesman, uh, you, you might be thinking, Ezekiel must have been crazy. He must have lost his marbles if he, if he said yes to this call. And yet this was God's call in his life. And so tonight we see that, that God tells Ezekiel, the preacher, to do four things in this passage. Number one, he tells him to eat. Number two, he tells him to speak. Number three, he tells him to watch. And number four, he tells him to deliver. Eat, speak, watch, and deliver. 
So with that, uh, in, in, in verses one through three, first of all, God tells Ezekiel to eat. Verse one, chapter three, Ezekiel says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you, have, what, what you find. Eat this scroll, go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. And so I ate and, and it was in my mouth and it was like honey in its sweetness. And so in a moment, God is about to, to give Ezekiel a message to deliver to the people. But before God can uh, give him that message, first Ezekiel has to get a message himself. You see, Ezekiel has to take that same message and he has to consume it for himself. He has to, he has to consume that message in his own life. And frankly, any preacher, any teacher, in fact, for that matter, any Christian who's going to share and, and, and going to give out God's word to someone else, they must first uh, partake themselves. They must first internalize that message and receive from it themselves before they can give it to others. I've got to tell you that, that I'm always the very first victim of my own sermons, always the first one that, that God beats up and, and slays and, and works over. Uh, here's how Job put it. Job said in, in Job chapter 23, 12, he said, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And so now in the same way, this angel of the Lord hands Ezekiel the scroll. He tells him to eat the scroll. And so Ezekiel eats the scroll and he says, he says it was like honey in its sweetness. It was like honey in its sweetness. So now this is telling us that, listen, this book, the, the Bible, that this, is, this is more than just a mere book. It, it's telling us that, that this book is, is, is a meal. It's a full meal. Uh, it, you know, in the Bible, the, the word of God is called bread. It, it's also called the meat of the word, the, mil the milk of the word. And evidently, it's also dessert. Because he says it's like honey in its sweetness. It's like biblical baklava. It's like honey in its sweetness. Here's how Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, draw the honey out of the comb of the scripture and live on its sweetness. You see, before you can share that sweetness, you've got to draw the sweetness out for yourself. Before you can give it, you've got to receive it. Jesus put it this way. He said in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, and so we're, to, we're to crave his word like food. We're to crave it like, like, a, like a meal. I mean, you know, like, like food itself. Now listen, I eat a lot of food, okay? I mean, I eat like seven times a day, sometimes more. Ask my wife. She's like, you know, we can't afford you. We just, you know, you have to go eat with someone else. Um, you know, I, I am like a hobbit. You know, there are people who are like, you think he's heard of second lunch? You know, it's just, you know, it's just, I'm always eating. And, and when I get done eating, I'm hungry for the next meal. And, and, and listen, I don't miss meals. I mean, if, if, if I miss a meal, if, even if I think about missing a meal, I get hangry. You ever been hangry, hungry, and angry, hangry? You know, so some of us, we would never even dream of, of missing a meal, right? And yet, why is it that, that some of us, some of the same people, 
have no problem going for days and days and days without consuming the bread, the meat of the word, the milk of the word, the word of life. We can go for, for weeks. Oh, I, I got it on Sunday. That's good, you know, I, but then I left my Bible there so that you know, I can get it again when I go back. We can go for weeks. I love the story of Brother Yoon. I'm sure many of you have heard it. Uh, but, but Brother Yoon, if you don't know, was, was a leader of the underground church in China. Now, in, in his book titled The Heavenly Man, he, he talks about how rare Bibles are in China. You know, it, it's hard to find a Bible. I mean, here we've got them everywhere. You've got them on your phone. In, in China, I mean, it, they're, you're hard-pressed to have a Bible. They're, they're outlawed. And yet he talks about how, how badly he wanted his very own Bible he wanted it so badly, he decided that he would fast and pray for 100 days. And so for 100 days, all he did was, was eat a, a small bowl of rice in the evenings, just a tiny little bowl of rice. And then he would fast and pray and fast and pray day and night, day and night for, for 100 days. And, and, and he said he, he was like a hungry child crying out to his heavenly father to, to, to fill him with his word. And at the end of those hundred days, he had a vision. Now, in this vision, he saw, he saw a large bread cart being pulled by three men. In the middle was, a, was an old, kind man. And then on each side of him, there was, there was a, a younger man on each side. And they were pulling this bread cart. And so at one point, uh, <coughs> pardon me, there's the James Brown, I, I promised. At one point in the vision, uh, the, 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 uh, the old man looks at him, hands him a, a, a red bag, of bread. And he says, are you hungry? And he says, yes, I, I haven't eaten anything. He says, take this and eat it immediately. And so he took it, he, he pulled it out of, the, out, out of the bag, he puts the bread to his mouth, and then instantly in the vision, the bread is transformed into a Bible. And boom, that's when he wakes up from the vision. And there's somebody knocking at the door. And on the other side of the door, he, hear, he hears somebody calling his name. But he recognizes that the voice on the other side of the door is the same voice he just heard in his vision. And so he called out to the voice and he said, are you bringing me bread? And, and, and he said, yes, I have a bread feast for you. So he opened the door and, 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 and to his amazement were the same two young men he just saw in his vision, holding a red bag. They handed him this red bag he, he, he opens it up, and inside is his very own Bible. We need to crave the word like we crave food. Psalm uh, 1 verse 2 tells us this. His delight is in the law of the Lord. That would be the word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, that word meditate, in the original, it's the Hebrew word haggah. This is an interesting word. It paints the picture of a cow that chews its cud. Now, you know how that works, right? You know, a cow's eating, he's chewing, a, and he's chewing his cud, and he thinks, you know, that was so good, I think I'll have it again. Nothing like a warm meal. And so, you know, he, he spits it out, and he chews it up again, right? And so that's the picture that it's telling us to do with God's word. It's like, you know, you read it, and then, and then you chew on it throughout the day. You think about it. And then maybe you read it again, and you chew on it some more. And, and, and here's the idea. The, the idea is that, you know what? You are what you eat. And so the, the more of his word that, that, that you, you, you read and consume, 
And the more you chew on it and, and the more you think about it, the more it changes and transforms you. It changes your life. Again, we mentioned Charles Spurgeon. Uh, Spurgeon had said that, it, I'm sorry, it was said of Spurgeon that he used to consume so much of God's word, he used to, he used to taste of its richness so often that if you would, were to cut him with a knife, the blood that would come from his body would be bib lean. <laughs> and so listen, we, we need to have a thirst and a hunger for righteousness. We need to have a thirst for his word because the more we meditate on it, the more we feed on, on the meal of the scripture, the more we read it and chew on it, the, 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 the more God's gonna be able to use you in someone else's life. Sometimes we sit around and, and we're like, you know, Lord, why aren't you using me? And he's like, why aren't you eating? And so, you know, the more you have in you, the more he can use you in someone else. And so now that Ezekiel has eaten of the word, now he's ready to give the word. And so with that, now as they picked up in verse four, now God tells Ezekiel to speak. First it was to eat, and now it's to speak. Verse four. <coughs> then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with, with, with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech, heart of language, but to those of the house of Israel, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. Now, this is interesting. First of all, as, as we read these words, we need, we need to keep in mind that, that Ezekiel at this time period was not God's only prophet to the people at this period of time. In fact, God had three prophets he was using at the same time. Now, of course, there was Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was, was being used by God to, to, to preach specifically to the captives, the, the, the POWs, the prisoners of war that were there in, in Babylon. But then God also had Daniel, and Daniel was being used by God to preach in the palace in Babylon. And then there was Jeremiah, and Jeremiah at this time was being used to, to, to deliver his message, deliver God's message to the people in Jerusalem at that time. And so now... <laughs> Pardon me. God tells Ezekiel, I have not sent you to people of unfamiliar speech whose language is hard. He, he's saying, you know what, Ezekiel, you're, you're not called to the Babylonians. No, you're called to your own people, the, the Jewish people, specifically the Jews that are prisoners in Babylon. Now, and so Ezekiel, he, he's being told that, that he was not called to go and reach the, the lost of, 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 of Babylon, he was called to, to, to his own people. Now, Daniel was the one who was called to go to, to the people of Babylon. As I mentioned, Daniel uh, becomes an advisor in the palace. He gets the king's ear, and he's able to deliver God's message. But God tells Ezekiel, he says, you know what? If I had sent you, if I did send you to the, to, to the, to the lost people of Babylon, the lost people in Babylon would have listened to you they would have heard what you said and they would have repented. But he doesn't say the same thing about Ezekiel's people. Look at the next verse, verse seven. But, I have a cousin who said, why is it in the scripture every time the word but's mentioned, mine's about to get kicked? Uh, verse seven, but the house of Israel will not listen to you. 
because they will not listen to me. For all the people of the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. Like an adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. And so God says, you know what? The Babylonians would have listened to you, but not my people, not the Jewish people. The people of Israel, they they won't listen to you. Why? He says, because they are impudent and hard-hearted, hard of heart. And so now God tells, you know, Ezekiel, he says, you know what? Because they have stiff necks, I'm giving you a stronger back. Because, Because they have hard hearts, I'm giving you a hard head. A hard head. He says, you know what? I'm going to make your forehead, it says, like an adamant stone. Now, the word adamant, it's, it's the Hebrew, shamir. Now, this word shamir literally describes a substance that is virtually indestructible. No matter what you do to it, it, it is virtually indestructible. Reminds me of my son. Now, now, my son right now is almost 20 years old. He, he works part-time at the church. He's, he's serving in the ministry. He leads our youth ministry. But when he was much younger, maybe three, maybe four years old, at the time, we, we, we had a, a black lab named Zoe, and he would always play with her. And, 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 and we had this little thing called a Kong ball. Anybody know what those are, those Kong balls? And, and so the, the package, I mean, you know, this, this thing is like hard, right? It's like a hard rubber ball, and, and it weighs like 300 pounds. You know, it's this big. And, you know, but the package even says that it's indestructible. So, you know, we, we, we would make that kind of a, we designate it as like an outside toy. Because, you know, you, you throw it and it's like, you know, right? So my, my son brings it in and he's, he's using it inside and he throws it and it's like bouncing all over the place, hits the TV. And both my, my wife, Amy, and I were, were, were like, no, you, you can't throw that in the house. It's going to break something. To which my son then says, no, it won't. It says it's indestructible. He thought that, you know, by indestructible, it means it won't destroy anything. Literally, no, that means no, it's going to destroy everything but itself. And so, and so God says, you know what, that's what I'm going to do with your head. I'm going to give you a Kong head, a hard head. And so if Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, Ezekiel would have been the hard-headed prophet. And it was for his own survival. It was so he could cope with how hard-hearted his, his flock that he was ministering to were. Chuck Swindoll was speaking to a group of graduates from Dallas Theological Seminary at their com- commencement speech, and, and he said, quote, the qualifications of a preacher are, are that he should have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the hide of a rhinoceros. That's what God was giving to Ezekiel. <coughs> so now with that, verse 10 continues. Ezekiel says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you. Hear with your ears and and go, get to the captives, to the children of your people and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice saying, blessed is the glory of the Lord from, from his place. And I also heard the noise of the wings 
of the living creatures that, that touched one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and the great thundering noise. Now, he's describing, by the way, a, a vision that he saw back in chapters one and two. And, and I would encourage you to read that um, when you're fully awake. Um, but he, in, in that earlier vision, he sees these, these, these angelic beings called cherubim. And, and, and he describes them as, as having like wheels within wheels. And really what he was describing um, is, is what's known as a throne chariot. And so this throne chariot has, has, has these wheels within wheels. And then above that is a, is a platform uh, of, of crystal. And then above that platform of crystals is, is a throne sitting on top of it. And then sitting on that throne was God himself. And so this was a throne chariot that he sees in this vision. And so then with that, Verse 14, he says, so the spirit lifted me up and he took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives at Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Kaber and I sat there where they sat and remained there astonished among them for seven days. So Ezekiel, he's like mind blown. He just had this vision, these, these, these cherubim, these wheels within the wheels. And, and, and then on the heels of that, then God tells him, now, I'm calling you to preach a message you don't want to preach to a people who don't want to hear you. People that are going to rake you with, 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 with thorns and throw you into a, a pit of scorpions. And, and so Ezekiel, he's like, I hope that was bad pizza. He's sitting there, his mind is blown. Now it says he was brought to this place called Tel Abib. Now we read that and you know, and a lot of us, we, 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 we have the news and so we hear a lot of times in the news this place called Tel Aviv. And we think, oh, that must be the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're, they're about 600 miles apart. But he brings them to this place and, and, and Ezekiel's kind of pondering these things. So first of all, Ezekiel was told to eat, to, to hear this message himself, consume that message himself, and then when that message has changed him, then he's told to go and speak. And now as we pick it up in verse 16 to, to, to verse 21, now the, the, the preacher is being told to watch. To watch, verse 16. <clears throat> now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and, and, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, then that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if, if you warn the wicked... And he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your own soul. Again, if, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and, and in his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But... His blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man and the righteous man should, should, that he should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took your warning and you also have delivered your own soul. <coughs> now pardon me. And, and so, <coughs> <coughs> mm. 
that James Brown really wants out. Um, now, here we, we say that he's told to watch. And I have to understand that, that in ancient times, you know, walls were very important to, the, to those ancient cities, right? I mean, because, you know, they, they were always under attack. Now, listen, it's not so much the case nowadays, right? I mean, in our day, we're not really worried about our neighbors attacking us, right? I mean, listen, here in Aurora, you're not really worried about, like, Bennett invading you. You're not like, oh, no, Bennett. Whoo, run away. You know, you're not like, you know, hey, Bennett's teamed up with Strasburg. They're, they're coming after us. I mean, listen, even if Bennett and Strasburg did like gang up, right? You know, you would just build a wall. You'd make them pay for it, but you know, you'd build a wall. <laughs> and so in those ancient times, they, 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 would, they would build a wall around their city to, 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 to provide some protection, but then they would position on the wall what were called watchmen. They would work in four-hour shifts. Now, the, 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 the job description of the watchman was to simply do that, to, to be on the constant lookout for danger, to be on the constant lookout for, for, for any warning signs of an invasion. And then if he saw something, his next job was to then sound the alarm so that everyone inside would, 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 would have enough time to prepare, enough time to get ready for, for the battle that was coming, the invasion that was about to happen. That was their job. So now Ezekiel has been told to watch. He's been told to, to be a watchman. You see, Ezekiel was not only called to eat the scripture himself, consume that message for himself. You see, that's where a lot of us stop. Now we gotta eat the word, we gotta consume the word, but a lot of us do that. We, we, we go to Bible study, we go to home groups, we, 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 we listen to the radio, we're, we're, we're consuming, and that's good. But then we, we don't do the next step, and that was Ezekiel was told to speak. You gotta take that what was given to you and, and, and give it somewhere else. But then he was also told to watch. And you see, you have to understand that the prophets, the, the, the prophets originally were called seers. Now a seer, that word is, is the Hebrew word uh, roach. Now this word roach means one who sees a vision of God, one who sees a, a, a revelation of God. Now certainly that was Ezekiel because in the first two chapters he's seeing this like, can I use the word trippy? This trippy vision, wheels within wheels. Listen, by the way, you know, could you imagine handing a, the book of Ezekiel to a brand new believer in Christ who just got saved like out of the drug scene? They'd be like, oh, wheels within wheels, far out, man. And so, you know, he sees this vision, and clearly he's, he's a seer. But not only was he a seer, uh, the, the, the next thing that prophets were called is, is they were called Nabi. Now, Nabi is translated spokesman, messenger. See, this was, this was Ezekiel's job. Ezekiel's job was, was to be a, a, a spokesman for God, to be God's messenger to the people. Now, in this case, Ezekiel was to warn God's people, that judgment was coming. But he was to warn them that it was God's judgment that was coming. You see, what was happening was, was that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon were getting ready to invade Jerusalem. And God wanted to make sure that the people knew that that invasion was happening by the hand of God. God was using it and God was, was making it happen because his own people had been sinning against their God. And so judgment was coming. And so Ezekiel was sent to warn the people that judgment was coming. <clears throat> now, we, we, we couldn't 
blame Ezekiel for being a little hesitant, for being a little, you know, afraid to share this, this message. You know, we, we can't blame Ezekiel if, if he's like, you know, um, you sure you got the right Ezekiel? You want me to go tell the people that judgment's coming? And, and so, you know, Ezekiel is, you know, he's having to wrestle with this. And, and so now God turns to Ezekiel and he's like, listen, Ezekiel, if, 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 if you're too afraid, if you chicken out and you choose not to, to, to share this warning, this message with the people, then what's going to happen is, is their blood will be on your hands because you didn't warn them. But at the same time, if, if you go and you preach, you declare the message, you, 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 you give the message, and yet they choose to ignore you, they choose to, to, to write you off, they, they refuse to repent, well then listen, their blood will be on their own hands, and, and your hands will be clean. But let's face it, not a lot of us want to be that guy. Not a lot of us really, you know, want to be the guy that has to come and declare the, 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 the tough message. You know, we're, we're afraid to, to tell people the hard truth, right? You know, like, like when somebody turns to you and says, you know, do these jeans make my butt look big? We don't want to be the guy that says, you know, well, it's not the jeans. <laughs> we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be the one that, that you know, that has to d- deliver the hard truth. A recent survey says that, that 92%, listen, 92% of Christians have not shared their faith with anyone else. And when pressed, when, when asked why, uh, the, the study found that, that the, the majority of the people said it was because of a fear of rejection. You know, we, we don't want to be the person that, that has to tell them that, listen, you know, there, there's bad news. Yeah, we want to tell them the good news. Hey, there's good news. Jesus loves you. But then they say, well, well what if I don't believe in this Jesus? Well, then you have to be like, ah, how do you feel about warm climates? <laughs> and so Ezekiel is, is, is a reminder to us that, 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 you know what, we are just the messenger. We're, we're, we're just the messenger. And so whatever that message is, listen, if, if they are rejecting the message, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. It's not your message, it's his. They're they're, they're not rejecting the messenger, they're rejecting the message. And so, listen, Ezekiel reminds us that whatever God's message is, it's our role as the messenger to deliver the message. Whatever the message is. Now, the message might be a a message that's uplifting and and, and positive, encouraging, Caleb. Or then again, it it might be a a, a message that's exhorting and challenging or even a warning, but, but it's our, our role as the messenger to deliver that message. It's like, like Vance Havner, the former chaplain for the United States Senate, had said that, that our job is not just to comfort the afflicted, but it's also sometimes to afflict the comfortable. And that's what Ezekiel has been called to do. So now with that, as we look at these, these last verses, verses 22 through 27, we see that now Ezekiel's being told to deliver. First, he was told to eat, consume that message himself. Then having consumed that message, now he has something to give to others. Then he was told to speak. 
And after being told to speak, he's been told to watch, to, to, to warn the people. And now he's being told to deliver. Verse 22. <coughs> so I arose and I went to the plain. And behold, the glory of the, of the Lord stood there, like the glory that I saw by the river Kabar, and I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and, 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 and not be one to rebuke them for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, thus says the Lord God. He who hears, let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse for they are a rebellious house. And so, to paraphrase it, God's saying, go deliver the message. He's saying, listen, what's going to happen is, 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 is my spirit's going to come upon you. And when that happens, you're not going to be able to keep this to yourself. But I don't want you to miss this. Notice, it, it, he says that, that they're gonna, you're going to be bound with ropes. They're going to tie you up. And then he says, your, your tongue will be stuck to the roof of your mouth and you won't be able to speak. Now that, by the way, is a phrase that's, that's kind of implying an ancient form of torture that leaves you so dehydrated that literally your tongue is literally stuck to the roof of your mouth. And so in effect, what, what, what God is saying is, Ezekiel, this is not going to be like a holiday. It's not prophet appreciation day. No, they're, they're going to tie you up. They're, they're going to beat you. They're going to torture you. You're going to be so tortured, so dehydrated, your tongue is going to stick to the roof of your mouth. Simply stated, these people do not want to hear what you have to say. You're going to go and you're going to try to deliver this message and, and, and they do not want to hear what you have to say. It's been well said that, that our idea of the perfect sermon is the one that goes over our head and hits the person behind us. We're okay with that. We are good with it. We are, we are okay with it hitting someone else. We have no problem when, 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 when the message hits someone else. Our problem is when it hits us. Our problem is when it hits home. When it deals with something that, that, that we don't want dealt with. You know, it's kind of like when Mark Twain used to say that, that most people are, are, are really bothered by the passages of Scripture that they don't understand. He says, but the ones that really bother me are the ones I do understand. <laughs> Got real quiet in here. <laughs> and, and so Ezekiel's being told that, listen, <laughs> even though these people are not going to want to hear your message, hear what you're going to have to say, there are going to be times when my spirit is going to come upon you and you won't be able to help yourself but to speak. And having said that, listen, I believe in the same way, look, look around. We, the world we live in is dark, and it's getting darker and darker all the time. Am I right? And I believe in these dark times in which we live, God is, 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 is looking today for those who will stand and deliver. He's looking today for, 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 for those who, who his Holy Spirit can come upon, and they will be bold and speak. Someone who, who, who's bold enough to, to share their testimony with, with, with a coworker. Someone who's brave enough to, to invite a lost soul to come to church with them. 
Someone who, who is, 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 is constantly chewing on his word, consuming the word, getting as much of the word as, as they possibly can so that when, 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 when the timing's right and his spirit comes upon them, they have something to deliver. I love this story in 2 Kings chapter 7. I'll paraphrase it for you. 2 Kings chapter 7, you, you have four lepers that are they're standing uh, outside the gate of Samaria. <coughs> now, the, the Samaritan town uh, is, is being surrounded by, 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 by a camp of, of Syrians. Now, the Syrians have basically starved them out. They've cut off all the water supplies and the food supplies, and, they, and, and they've created famine conditions inside the camp of, 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 of the Samaritans. So now, here's, here's the four lepers. And, and they're like, you know, why are we just sitting around here waiting to die? I mean, you know, no matter what we do, we're, we're going to die. We, we, have, we have leprosy. And so, you know, I mean, if, if we go to, to the city of Samaria, you know, we, we might die because there, there's a famine there. But at the same time, you know, if, if, we, if we go over to the, the Syrian camp, we might die there too because they might kill us. But at the same time, if, if we just sit here and do nothing, we're still going to die because we have leprosy. So if we're going to die anyway, we might as well do something. You know, why don't we go to the, to the camp of the Syrians and, and, and see what happens? So they go to the Syrian camp, and, and when they get there, they found that all the, the people in the camp had fled. They'd all just ran away, leaving hot meals everywhere. There was food all over the place. So these guys start scarfing down. I mean, they, they are just, they're just pigging out. And all of a sudden, one of these guys, you know, he's like, you know, guys, this, this isn't right. It's not right that we should be keeping all of this food for ourselves. Listen, this is good news. I mean, there, there are people over there in, in, in Samaria that, that, that need what, what we have. You know, we need to go back there and, and tell them the good news that we, that, that, that we found food, that there's enough for everyone. I mean, this news is so good, we cannot possibly keep it to ourselves. Now, folks, that's evangelism. That's evangelism. E evangelism has, has been defined as, as one beggar telling another beggar where to find the food. And, and, and that's why I believe that, that God wants to send you out in, 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 into this dark world as his preachers, as his messengers. He wants you to, to consume his message, consume his word so that you have something to share, so that you can share that good news. So you can take the, 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 the word that, that you've been feasting on, the, the, the word that, that, is, that has been giving you life, and share that message with those who are starving in this world. He's looking for someone who will stand and deliver. Recently, I was listening to an episode of Family Talk with, with, with James Dobson. And the, and the title of that show was, was Bowing a Knee, Taking a Stand. And in the show, they were interviewing uh, Coach Joe Kennedy, uh, uh, the coach, the football coach for Bremerton High School. <coughs> and this is the coach you may have heard of who, who became kind of well-known because he took a knee to honor God uh, and, you know, at, the, at the end of the game. Now, this is something he's been doing since 2008. Since 2008, he, at the end of the game, he'd always run out to the 50-yard line and just real quick bow on the knee, give thanks to God for, for whatever the outcome was, whether they won or lost. Now, he, he, he wasn't proselytizing. He, he wasn't recruiting. He wasn't trying to, trying to get anybody to do this with him. He just simply ran out there, bowed on the knee real quick, gave thanks to the Lord, and then ran back. But this, this became viral. In fact, voluntarily, many on the team started to join him in prayer. 
game after game. That is until September of 2017 when, 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 when he was suspended and then eventually fired by the school district for, quote, public religious displays on the football field while on duty as a coach. Now, this went to court. The judge of the, of the Ninth Circuit ruled that, that, quote, no coach is allowed to pray in public if anyone can see them. Now, notice the words. It didn't say while they're at school. It doesn't say while they're on the football field. It said no coach is allowed to pray in public if anyone can see them. And so this would mean that, that you know, a football coach couldn't, you know, be at Wendy's with like a double cheeseburger. And, and, and if all of a sudden he bowed his head and just quickly gave thanks for that meal, he would be in violation of this ruling because it was in public and people could see him. And so when this, when, when this, when this ruling came down, the coach's uh, attorneys, they, they felt defeated, to which Coach Joe, uh, uh, Bremer, uh, Joe Kennedy turned to his lawyers and he said, look, I know what happened in the Ninth Circuit, but I also know what can happen in the fourth quarter. This game isn't done. Keep praying. Now, there was a local editorial writer for the newspaper who, who did an article on, on Coach Kennedy's life. And, and after observing this man's character and, and his principles and his integrity and what he stood for, uh, at the end of the article, the author of the article said these words. He said, I am an agnostic, but if my child was old enough, this is the coach that I would want for my child. Now, the lawyer at the end of the show said, you know what? I believe that God wants to use this case to speak to a country. And here's his message. The message is, are you willing to go to a knee and take a stand? You see, I believe that this is what God's looking for in our day. Not people to be militant against something, but people who will prayerfully go to their knees and they'll pray and they will get in the word. And, and then God can send them into this dark world to bring his message of good news to this world. He's looking for those, like in Ezekiel, who no matter what the consequences, will dare to stand and deliver. And I pray that that's you. And I pray that that's me. Let's seek the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, it is no mistake that you've placed us in the times in which we live with all the things that are happening, and we don't need to, 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 to enumerate them. You know, and we know. But Lord, we are living in dark times. But Lord, here's what I believe. I believe that, that you've called us to be the light of the world, just as you are the light of the world. And Lord, I believe light shines best the darker it gets. So Lord, I, I don't shun and hide from the darkness. I thank you for the darkness because it's a chance for the world to see you in us. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us in this place tonight, that, that your Holy Spirit would empower us, that a fresh move and a fresh pouring of your Spirit would, would, would come upon us. Because, Lord, we live in dark times, Lord, but it's not that we are, are in need of your, your Holy Spirit because we are weak people. Yes, we are weak people. But, Lord, we, we are, are vessels of your Spirit. And this world needs to see more of your spirit in your vessels. And we pray, Lord, that as, as this dark world is, is, is seeing you in us, they would want what we have. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would, you would move among us tonight. That you would empower your people. Because, Lord, in these days, we need it. We pray in Jesus' name.
We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.